I'm vacuuming alcoholic. And woohoo. Um, man, it's so funny. Years and years and years ago, um, a, a, a sponsor suggested rather stridently that I volunteer to help for for the West Order Gratitude Weekend. And I tell you what, I cannot remember a thing about it. I think it had something to do with trash. And, but I'm just not sure if the trash got taken out that day. <laughs> I don't even remember being here. That, and I wasn't drinking. But that's what anxiety can do for you. It's like I was so worried about doing it perfectly, being the perfect trash volunteer. Anyway, anyhow. <laughs> Long gone. Um, I want you all to know that I am so honored to be here um, this evening that I actually put on makeup. Uh, for you. <laughs> I haven't had makeup on since I retired about five years ago, so it's, it's a big deal. Um, I really, really do want to thank Karen and all of the vol- volunteers and committee. I'm looking for tags because it, it sounded like it was going to be too long a list of names for me to remember, but thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, as Karen said, we go back a long way, a real long way. Um, <laughs> when uh, when Karen called me to to ask about doing this, um, she kind of snuck it in. I thought she was just asking about why Mom and I hadn't appeared at a, at a meeting. Um, and uh, yeah, in the, in the end, I was running out the door to do something. She goes, "Well, wait, there's one more thing." And she says, "You know, would you consider being the Friday night speaker at, at WDGW?" And I said, "Why would I do that?" <laughs> And she said, she said, because you have an awesome story. And I thought, well, yes, I do. I have a much more awesome story than I used to. And, again, I, I went out and did that just so I'd have a good story for you all. this <laughs> So with that said, um, I would like to tell you all that my sobriety date is February 22nd, 1999. But that would be a lie because um, because that is not my sobriety date anymore. That was my um, sobriety date for 11 years. And um, it did all start right here in this room um, in 1999. Um, I was sitting at that table over there, the non-smoking table, that, that, that the smoke from these six tables couldn't get to. <laughs> Couldn't get to, but um, oh my gosh, I sat I sat back there and I just you know I was like so many of us I suspect you know sobbed through the whole meeting and then um, a very lovely lady named Peggy you know came up and and, and said I'll be your sponsor I was like well, okay <laughs> anyway anyhow you know that got me started and um, and I did the stuff. Did all did did all the stuff and you know, sponsored and and did service work and chaired meetings and you know did the steps and you know had a sponsor and um, and life got better. It got better enough without the alcohol in it that I thought I was sober and I had no concept back then about emotional sobriety um, or the fact. We were listening. Mom and I made the, the trip over here from Woodstock, where she now lives, a couple of times a month. And we listened to Sandy Beach 
they used to be called speaker tapes, but I don't know. There are probably in this, people in this room who don't even know what a tape is. Um, so for the for the old oldsters, the speaker, speaker tapes, but um, now it's actually on YouTube because yes, I do know how to use technology. Um, anyway, oh my gosh, I'm. You know what? You know what? If I can get permission for us to all take out our cell phones in a meeting, we're just going to go ahead and all tune into Sandy Beach, and I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> can I do that? Can we use our cell phones? I think probably not. Um, but, man, my new hero. But, anyway, I think I digress. We were, we were as is our custom, with Mama and Forrest, my husband, um, who is also one of us, um, were on the way over. We were listening to Sandy Beach, and he was talking about... Um, about how we, and it's somewhere in the big book, or one of the books. I'm really not one of those people who can tell you what's on what page. I, I know what's in there, but yeah, can't tell you exactly where. Um, about how, you know, if this program can help us separate us from alcohol, why in the world did I not, all those years ago, apply it to all the other problems in my life? You know, what, what happened was... I never, I never conceded that, you know, I did, I did the first part of step one, but I did not do the rest of it. I was not going to concede that the rest of my life was unmanageable. You know, it's like I was managing people's lives just fine. You know, I had, 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 a, had a couple of teenage sons, had, you know, had, had a... Had a significant other, not this one. Had a had a true psycho for a significant other. You know, it never never occurred to me to apply this incredible program to my other pro- problems. So I never got to the emotional sobriety part. Life was good, but it was nowhere near as good as it is now. But but don't want to don't want to spoil things. So I'll I'll go back to. A little bit more about what it was like. Um, yeah, it was horrible. It was terrible. And, and, and I drank until about 2010. And, yeah, it was, just, it was just out of control. And I'm trying to think about what happened then. Oh, yeah, I'm going to tell you what happened then. Um, I want, if you're new or if you're struggling... I want you to take in everything that I'm saying because I'm a real, real, real good example of how not to do this program. And, you know, pretty much just outlined it. You know, don't, yeah, just don't do the rest of it. Just stop drinking and make things look good on the outside, but don't do this work in here. So, anyway, that's enough about that. I'm not, we, we all know how to get drunk, I presume, so I'm not going to bother, <laughs> bother explaining that part. Um, I was a I was a behavioral health nurse, a psych nurse for 35 years, and for the last 10 years of my of my um, career, I I did not treat patients. I was a utilization management nurse, which is which is the person who's working behind the scenes. If you've ever been in the hospital, you have had one of me behind the scenes talking to the insurance company and reading them your chart and begging for more time in the hospital. So that was my job. So I want to say right up front, wasn't wasn't taking care of patients and hadn't been for a long time. But my practice had become, at the end of my my drinking, to um, drink around the clock. And I, I, yeah, um, 
through the night and then upon waking and on the way to work and then and then at my 10 o'clock break, go out to my car, come back in, work until lunch, go out, go to, go to the liquor stores, a different one for every day because, um, because I'm living with, with a, a sober alcoholic. So I can't have that at home. And I, so anyhow, so it has to be, it has to be cleverly hidden in the bushes of the parking lots where I'm drinking at lunch. Um, one of my, one of my finer moments was I was parking behind a shopping center and there was a Chinese restaurant in there and I looked up one day after I had retrieved my bottle and, and was having my, drinking my lunch. And I looked over, and a couple of the workers were sitting, and they got up, and one of them kind of threw his shirt over his head, I guess as if to mimic hair, and walks over to a bush and looks right at me and and does this. And I thought, oh, God, they know. (laughs) I've I've disappointed the Chinese restaurant staff. (laughs) So so I'll just warp to the... the, um, to the best part, um, <coughs> on my last day of work, I had done just such a thing, gone out to lunch, and I sort of remember that part. But the next thing I, the next thing I know, I came to in the emergency room of the hospital where I worked, um, talking to the stroke nurse, and it's like, what the hell? What is going on? I, I, someone had found me um, unconscious in the parking lot, and um, I, I came to to in such a such a fashion. I didn't learn this part until later, but there's no point boring you with that whole day that, that I still don't remember large parts of. The 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 best part of it was that when I left with my brother-in-law, no 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 no. My brother-in-law was there, and I thought, oh, okay, great. Somebody will take me to my car, and I'll drive home, thinking that I was going to sweep all this under the rug and that my husband was never going to know. Um, but uh, that, that is not how it happened. They did call him, and he came, and that's a whole other story of, of disappointment and fear and anger. But um, on that day, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read through this um, scale for you, and and then I'm gonna clue you in as to where I fell on this scale. Um, most of us are, are aware that at 0.8 percent, we are legally impaired, and usually get a ticket by the nice officer. Um, 0.20 to 2, 0.29, you feel dazed, confused, disoriented. Um, you have some trouble walking. Uh, you might have some no- nausea and vomiting. Blackouts usually occur at this level. 0.30 to 0.39%. This is a dangerously high blood alcohol level. Your potential for death increases, as does your heart rate and the likelihood of unconsciousness. You may experience irregular breathing and loss of bladder control. Attractive. 0.40% and over, your heart or breathing may stop. A coma and or death may a coma or death by respiratory failure is likely. My blood alcohol was 0.449. 0.449. You know, 
tell me it's not a miracle that I am standing up here talking to you. Tell me it's a miracle that I'm that I'm breathing at all. You know, I am meant to be here. I have perfect liver enzymes and apparently no brain damage. <laughs> husband, husband might disagree, but um, you know, I am I am absolutely meant to be here. And, you know, I really believe these days in connecting the dots, and I believe in synchronicities. And I believe that that happened to me so that I could be standing here telling you guys about it. Um, You know, not everybody who gets here needs to be uh, bludgeoned and bloody, but apparently that's how I like mine to go. Um, You know, so... That's that. That's my tale of it, of exactly how bad it can get. And you know, it's not a. That's not a pissing contest because I mean there are people who have had higher blood alcohol levels. But I will tell you this: what we did on my unit was we would review cases every morning. We had a team meeting. We review cases, and when people came in with a blood alcohol like this, we'd all just look at each other and go, "Oh God, well loser," you know. It's like, and years and years earlier. A utilization management nurse such as myself had gotten herself fired for being intoxicated at work. And all those years ago, I thought, well, how stupid can you be? (laughs) Sign me up for that. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, you know, I like to think of, I like to think of my, my 11 years here in the beginning is sobriety 1.0 and with that with that incredibly high blood alcohol so commenced sobriety 2.0 and it is where it is where I finally met God Um, I had spent I mean Karen people who knew me from back then you know saw me struggle Sandy Saw me struggle. Call God Ted because I wasn't going to call it God because I had all that stuff that we have. You know, um, I do feel like I'm in some really good company, though, because Sandy Beach, a hero, said um, said that he it was five years before he would humbled himself enough just to use the word. He said he'd go into that whole long thing of. Of uh, you know the the energy that runs through everything and the and the thing that makes the stars you know not run into each other and blah 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 he said and people would go you mean God Sandy and he said yes so it it, it is the shorthand and I just um, I can't believe that looking back on it that I wasted so much time but then again. I am a firm believer in taking a drink of water. Um, I'm a firm believer that it all absolutely happens for a reason. That that all of the all of the fail that there are no failures. I mean, you know, my heart had failed. Now that would have been a pretty significant failure, but that didn't happen. So, you know, that it all leads to here and i had to do all of that stuff i had to i had to have the years here i had to go out and do every last bit of of drinking that by the way as you all know took up exactly where i left off oh i do have to tell you this for the alanons in the room i think you'll like this um at 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 kind of the end of my 11 years of of point 1 
2.0 sobriety, um, I had decided that everybody in my life, all the people in these rooms, my husband, my mother, everybody, they were all alcoholics. And it's like, so I have all these alcoholics in my life. And I thought, hold the phone. I had been introduced to Al-Anon a few years earlier and because I was going to fix the psycho but Al-Anon didn't work on him, so anyway, um, yeah, so, so it did, yeah, well, because he wasn't one of us. If he had been a psychoalcoholic, it would have worked just fine, but anyway, um, I thought, oh my gosh, I know my problem. I'm an Al-Anon, and I can drink, yeah, so, so, um, so that, that was my, that was how I did it, and, and I systematically separated myself, you know, I started saying, you know, to people, you know, who would, lovingly say, where are you going to meetings? Like, oh, I'm going to meetings in uh, Woodstock. I'm going to meetings. I'm trying new meetings all over the place. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> anyhow. Okay, so it all caught up with me. Um, okay, I knew this was going to happen. I was going to get rolling and then go, okay, I'm scared. I'm standing up here in front of you, so I have the notes. Um, you know, the, we, we did hear on the speaker YouTube coming over here, that spirituality is, help me out here, spirituality is the ability to see things differently. And I thought, I really like that. I really like that because, you know, I've kind of not rewritten the steps, but I've come to, I've come to use outside outside programs, you know, in the book it says we get to seek outside help. You know, I know that they're meaning, you know, psychiatric and stuff like that, but um, but I kind of apply this to other programs, my involvement in, in Al-Anon, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, um, but also other, other things like we go to church now. <gasps> <laughs> who, who knew that was going to happen? Um, I was I was raised uh, in the Episcopal Church, and you know that's like the least objectionable church you can go to, and they serve your wine right there in the middle of it. No grape juice for those guys. Um, but um, you know, so I wasn't traumatized by religion. You know, there are people who have truly been, you know, and so they come in here and they don't do the, you know, they resist the God thing because. They've been traumatized. Well, that wasn't my deal. You know, my deal was that I was still just the smartest girl in the room. It's like, nope, intellectually, this just doesn't work for me. You know, anyway, yeah, it, it works for me now. That's, that's the most important thing. But, um, but I, have found, I have found spirituality not through the traditional ways. You know, people used to always say to me, you know, if you can't find a higher power of your choice, try mine on. Well, so I tried everybody's on. It's like, yeah, not feeling it. You know, and people, people had what I wanted, and still I couldn't do it. So, so you know, you work forward and, and have the... I, it's a near-death experience is what happened to me. I mean, you know, I don't have all the things that traditional... You know, near-death experiencers can tell you about because usually they come back with something like, whoa, you know, I saw this and it's the best thing ever and I didn't want to come back and I really believe that exists, but that wasn't my experience. But I did know that there was something that wanted me here. And so that got me back into the rooms and, you know, hum- humble enough to, to, you know, get that, get that next white chip. But that's the thing, you know, coming back was nowhere near as hard as I thought it would be because 
we're us. During one of my relapses, Mama said to me, she said, oh, honey, you just failed to enlarge your spirituality. <laughs> Thank you, Mama. <laughs> you know. So, so with 2.0, I, I really commenced to um, connecting to the thing that I knew wanted me to be here tonight talking to you. And, um, I, and I found it more so in prayer and meditation, like our 11th step, you know, suggests we do. And um, I was lucky enough to be to be in a relationship. We weren't married yet then, but with a man who um, knows about meditation and was teaching it. As a matter of fact, that's where I met him in a in a twelve step uh, meditation group that he was conducting. And so I started doing that. Started started meditating, and I still wasn't well enough. I was sober. I wasn't drinking, but I still wasn't well enough to be able to pursue what spoke to me, what, you know, what, what resonated for me. And so I was trying to do meditation like him, and I was trying to do it perfectly. And so I'm spending meditation time thinking, what's going on in his head over there? Am I doing it like him? You know, and so, so what, what, I, what finally kind of came to pass is I just started thinking about things that thought would work for me and they were kind of like airy fairy things like crystals and um, you know and I started looking at crystals and it's like oh my gosh they're they're little pieces of the earth that was made by that thing that saved me you know and anyway so I kept but, but here's the funny part is I've been a people pleaser all my life people pleaser people pleaser approval seeker and I I didn't. I didn't want him to know that I was reading about crystals, so I hide my crystal book kind of inside my big book. <laughs> anyway, and how silly because he thinks it's cute. <laughs> um, but but from there from there I um, I got into into chakras and energy systems and and that's where I finally seized upon my conception. Of a, of a power greater than myself that really speaks to me and that it, it's the energy, it's the energy of love and I'm going to have to go here because this is important. Um, my story has a lot of connection uh, to death, obviously, with my own close call. Um, my, uh, my brother, who, um, who died about three years ago, um, very serious man, serious somber man. He was uh, he was a civil engineer, and um, I don't know that he ever said this out loud. I, he wasn't a religious man that I know of. I was wife went to church and all. Not sure if he was going or not, but I think he questioned a lot. I think he might have been mm, agnostic-ish, maybe. But um, during uh, one of the surgeries near the end of his life, the doctors explained to us that he had had a catastrophic event during the surgery. And I don't know exactly what that means. They didn't say he flatlined. But um, when, he, when he woke up when, in ICU, when they extubated him, he was a different man. He was a different person. He glowed. 
he he was he was smiling he was and couldn't wait to start talking about his experience um, and he said he said I he said I, I don't know what to tell you all I can tell you is that I understand now I get it all it is about Jesus Christ and I had never heard him say those words before the great religions of the world love and technology and it's like okay okay <laughs> all right so um, so what I take away from that because kind of around the same time I had begun to think you know whatever God is you know I don't believe in the traditional thing of the guy in the sky with the thunderbolt and the tablet I mean if, if, if that works for you that's awesome but it just didn't resonate for me so when I started thinking oh my gosh we are we are made everything about us and everything in the whole world is made of energy. It's made of, you know, moving at different rates of speed at higher frequencies or lower frequencies. It's science. And it's like, oh my gosh, what if that's what God is? So anyway, that that's been that's been my thing now. So you know, to get back to these crystals and, and all this stuff, um, it was absolutely uh, imperative that I a thing that I did not do in 1.0 that I that I committed to doing in 2.0 was to have a practice to have a practice of some sort and when I freed myself from the expectations of what it should be you know I don't know if you still have should in your vocabulary just get rid of it now because because you know I I I, I don't say it to myself and I don't say it to other people because I don't have a clue what should or shouldn't be that's somewhere in the book too it says sometimes I don't even know what's right for me how in the world can I know what's right for you so anyway a little side trip on should but um, you know my, my morning practice when I still worked it was it was it was brief um, I would wake up very early um, oh I have to tell you that I did work after I stopped drinking this time I worked for a year in a law firm and it's like, oh, my God, to go from being a nurse to working in a law firm. But here's how crazy I am. I have these expectations of myself that I am supposed to know how to do it all. I felt like on day one in that law firm, despite the fact that I don't know the difference between a defendant and a plaintiff, I thought I should be able to walk in there and try a case before a judge. Yes. That is just how crazy I am. They uh, they did not let me in the courtroom, and and I am pretty sure that if I had if I had I can't believe I didn't drink in that first year. You know, Forrest can tell you I would come home just wrapped around the axle every single day and dream about it at night. And anyway, anyhow, um, even then though I knew how important it was. Well, because they had incarcerated me at Ridgeview for quite a few weeks. So I, I thought, yeah, I don't want to go back there. Maybe I'll do what they say. Um, I, I developed a morning practice. And it was, it was at that point in time, it was just reading inspirational material. And as I alluded to a minute ago, my inspirational material began to go beyond just our AA literature, which, which is absolutely perfect, but... You know, Bill Wilson said that, that AA is a spiritual kindergarten, and, and I, I believe that. It's like, so I got my foundation here. But anyway, the 15-minute the practice in the morning, you know, was, was reading some 
it was AA approved literature at that point in time, and then meditating for 15 minutes. And you know, I, I work with people. We, you know, we we um, we we have we have meditation meetings at our house and have have a lot of young people who come around. Um, and and you know, they always they always say what I used to say, which is. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a really good idea. I'm going to do that. And then they'd come back the next week, and Forrest would say, "So how many people have been meditating?" And they'd all go, "Oh well, I meant to." And, and it's like, this is deadly serious business. And anyway, that thing, that thing has, you know, understand that I probably have the most concrete mind of anyone you know, and what this program has done for me and Al-Anon began to bust up the concrete in my head and help me see that, you know, things can change. It's okay for things to change. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that's what this whole program is about. Um, you know, so so for a while, I'm like, you know, I've gotten this really elaborate morning practice, and I'm, um, I'm, I'm reading my, my crystal card, and then I'm reading the corresponding chakra card, and then I'm doing a little, you know, chanting, and, you know, and, uh, you know, and, 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 I, and I had that, and then I started thinking, I need to be doing something different. I need to be growing some more. I, I feel like there's more. And it's like, you know, I'm in the, my head going, oh, God, is the world going to catch on fire? Am I going to get drunk again if I stop doing this? Well, happy news, it hasn't. And it's really <laughs> expanded. So the, so the morning process, and I'm, I'm going on and on about this, because if you don't have one, get one. Um, you know, prayer and meditation. I don't... Um, I, you know, even though our book has some fabulous prayers in them, and I know they work for uh, work for a lot of people, they, they don't they don't do it for me. So I have I have discovered a different way to pray. You know, used to, in the past when I was trying on other people's higher powers, you know, I would say, "Dear God," and then I go, "Okay, and uh, help me, please." You know, but now what I do um, in the Buddhist tradition, there's a thing called metta. Meditation and meta is about sin and loving kindness. Um, I don't know if any of you are familiar or not, but the, but the Buddha, no, the Dalai Lama says loving kindness is my religion, and it's like, yes, that works for me. So in you know in meta meditation, traditionally, I think, or the way it's done here in the West, you start with. You start with um, someone that you have altruistic love for, you know, not so, not a romantic love, but you know, a pure love, like for a child or a pet, or you know, um, and then you go to a, a, a neutral person, like the barista at the coffee shop, and then you go to a difficult person, and then last, you 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 say meta for yourself, and I thought. I think I get to make up the rules here. So I put myself first. I, I, I do it for myself first because, you know, when you're flying and the, and the flight attendant says, if the plane's crashing and the air pops out, breathe it first so that you can help somebody out. It's exactly like that. I can't, I can't help the people around, around me. I can't transmit a thing that I don't have. You know, for a while I started questioning and I thought, oh my gosh, does that mean that when I was drinking during the years when my kids were little, because I was I was drinking when my kids were little, and I thought, oh my, was that not love that I was given? And I think that it was, but it was not it was not the kind of love that I have now. You know, it was not it was not a hundred percent unconditional 
Yeah, energy, love. See, there you go. Thank you, brother. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's all about the, the love. So anyway, the the, the practice now. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say my meta for all of us at the end of this. But but for but now I'm gonna. I don't know. I don't know. I'm running out of time. You're right. I shouldn't have said. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just want to say. Yeah, the the God thing is so important. It's like if you're struggling with that, you know, understand that it goes by lots of names. Um, I'm going to revert to the notes here now because I have become officially anxious again. Um, You know, higher power goes by a lot of names. Inspiration, imagination, muse, ancestors, angels, higher self, spirit guides, work God. And um, as we have ascertained, uh, I I now, I can now say God. (laughs) You know, with, without without fear. Um, I think I'm going to go here. Um, you know, back back to back to my hero, Sandy Beach. Um, his hero, Chuck Chamberlain, um, a new pair of glasses. Um, I, this is a thing I also want to say. Get into the other literature, and it's always been here. It's like, oh my gosh, how did I how did I not know this stuff? You know, I knew people who listened to speaker tapes and. I thought, yeah, 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 right, right, right. But, yeah, I'm all about it now. So, anyway, you know, as, as you know, Sandy was, like, all honored because Chuck Chamberlain would take him out to his place over the Pacific. I don't know. Probably had some great place with Adirondack chairs overlooking the Pacific Ocean or something. But, um, <laughs> but, but anyway, um, Chuck Chamberlain said that there's one problem that contains all problems. And therefore, there's one solution that contains all solutions. And the one problem is conscious separation from higher power, conscious separation from God, which is the thing that I practiced for those 11 years of physical but not emotional sobriety. And therefore, the one solution that contains all solutions is conscious contact with higher power. How simple is that? You know, so... So these days, these days, I look for it everywhere. You know, I, I, I look for, I, you know, I, I look for it. I look for it, oh my gosh, I look for it in the birds. We are watching birds, a, a, a sign of officially being old. So when you start watching, <laughs> watching birds, but, uh, but uh, yeah, and this thing, this thing has grown and grown and grown. And um, as you all might know, are there bird watchers, raise your hands. Okay. All right. Okay. Tell me. Tell me. What's the curse? What's the what's what's the problem here? Somebody yell it out. Old age. Starts with an S. Squirrels. Squirrels. The squirrels are the problem. The squirrels are evil. <laughs> They're they're greedy little suckers, and they and they we have been through everything anyway. So so the squirrels definitely disturb my peace. It's like you know. Anyway, all of this is to say that I am now since I 
you know, they are about to defeat me as soundly as alcohol did. And yeah, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy because, because in the beginning, Forrest was going, oh, they're so cute. They're so cute. And he's feeding the people and everything. Well, then he planted some seeds outside, and they started eating those. So now he's on Team Becky in the war against the squirrels. And, it, and it, it's, it's a good thing because I was, I'm, because I'm, ready to, I'm ready to concede and go, okay, fine. God's creature. All right, but um, but you know that's that's kind of the thing. The squirrels are the difficult people in the meta meditation. You know, it's like it's like I guess we have to love all of them. What, 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 um, oh, ooh. <laughs> if I can just convince him to get a kind of some sort. Um, so. I'm going to say this, and then I'm probably going to move on to the end. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous has been the answer to my lifelong quest for love. You know, my um, relationship addiction absolutely has gone hand in hand with um, with my alcoholism. You know, I was always, always, always looking for looking for something outside of myself to validate me, you know, and alcohol, alcohol made me beautiful and witty and did all that, you know, but it couldn't come close to the validation of, of a man, and that's wonderful, you know, it's wonderful to have to have a mate, but but not when you think that they are the thing that's going to bring you joy and happiness and peace, because I have learned quite joyfully that the only thing that can bring me that that God, peace and serenity and contentment and solidness is is the energy of love that I call God now. You know, that's um yeah, that that's what this is all about, isn't it? How in the world did I not know in one point that this was about finding that? It's like yeah, yeah. Who who was that woman? Um, you know the thing. The thing is, is yeah, okay. So I don't know. Wizard of Oz. People do know, don't know. Maybe young people don't know. You know, it's like Dorothy in those ruby slippers. She had the power to go home all along. It's like you know, I had the power. I had the. I could have opened up and received all that was there long before I knew it was there, you know. But um and I here's and here's my here's my not just nod, but my deep bow to um to Al Anon because in in this sobriety I, I did go about three years in, um, I did uh, go back to Al Anon um, and I wasn't drinking when I did it, so it made it made made a whole lot of sense and worked really well. Um, but Al Anon has helped me to see these very same 12 steps just with a different light shined on it. And that sent my sobriety into just a whole other realm. And, you know, I just, I can't, I I can't be grateful enough to to Lois for getting that thing started. So, um, you know, when when i when I got divorced from my second ex husband <laughs> there've only been two exes this is three <laughs> going okay um, my uh my when my second ex husband asked me if I'd ever loved him, and you know I was drunk then 
and, and miraculously for that deceptive alcoholic, I, I looked at him and I said, I don't know. Because I didn't know. I didn't know what love was. I had no clue. And, you know, through the miracle of, of these programs, I have come, you know, I have come to know love of, love of God, love of self, love of others. Um, because, like I say, can't give away what, what, I, what I don't have. Um, I think in Chapter 6 of the big book, maybe, it says, Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. You know, And I combine that with page 164, where I think it says, We know but a little. And, you know, so that's where I, that's where I give myself permission to, um, to seek spirituality in other places besides here. You know, not that I will ever leave here, but, you know, that this is a springboard to more and more and more. And, you know, one of the mistakes that I made in, in 1.0 was after I had one year sober, I thought, huh, what am I going to do now? I know everything. <laughs> never again, never again. Hopefully until I draw that last breath will I be, um, will I be learning. So, so I'm going to do this um, because it's my talk, and I get to get to say what I want to. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read you something from. I'm gonna read you two things. This is from Marianne Williamson, and she says, "Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous?" Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us. It's in everyone. As we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. You know, I love that. Um, I, I love that. I'm, I'm going I'm to leave it there. And then I'm going to tell you this part because this, this was another turning point for me and another beacon that I've held on to that isn't AA literature, but it should be. This is from uh, the, from the from the uh oh I said it I did it should strike that hi it is as it would be great if it was it would be great if it was <laughs> um, one of the th- one of the things that um, hung in, in my my own house growing up and in one of my favorite aunt's houses and I think Roberta Roberta gave me a copy of this um, it was uh, the Desiderata. And I'm not going to read the whole things, but I am going to read the part that spoke to me. Um, Here we go. Here we go. Nurture strength of spirit, God, to to shield yourself in sudden misfortune. But do not distress yourself with dark imaginings. Many fears are born of fatigue and loneliness. Beyond wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. You are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. You have a right to be here. And whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive him to be, 
And whatever your labors and aspirations in the noisy confusion of life, keep peace in your soul. With all its sham and drudgery and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. Be cheerful. Strive to be happy. And that was written by a guy in like 1927 who wasn't one of us. I bet he knew Bill. I bet he did. <laughs> but so, but so here's what I'm going to leave you with. This is this is my this is my uh, my prayer that I say every morning in the midst of my um, my yoga and all my other ooh, stuff. Um, <laughs> it's it's uh, may we all be free of the suffering that fear causes. May we all be healthy. May we all be kind to our bodies. May we all know joy, grace, and ease of well-being. Namaste, my friends.